Nearly none of Chicago's thousands of crosswalks are accessible to blind and visually impaired pedestrians. A federal judge ruled that Chicago's breaking the law and is in violation of the American Disabilities Act. This comes after a class action lawsuit brought in 2019 by the American Council of the Blind of Metropolitan Chicago. So joining us now in the studio is Yelena Kolich, senior staff attorney for disability rights, the group that represented the plaintiffs. Hi, Yelena. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So I am stuck on the fact, Yelena, that today in 2023, less than 1% of crosswalks in this city are ADA compliant, which essentially means that visually impaired people, they really aren't safe to do something that's very basic, which is crossing the street. That is absolutely correct. And when we filed our lawsuit, fully 11 of over 2,800 signalized intersections had APS units. And now as we sit here, that number is just over 30 out of 2,800. So in terms of percentages, we are still well below 1%. 30 out of 2,800. Over 2,800. I believe the total count is around 2,846. Mm. Don't hold me to it, but some, thereabouts. The point is not very many, right? Not very many, however you slice it, yes. What are you hearing from, from people about the impact that that's having on their lives? Well, the lack of access to pedestrian signals at um, otherwise signalized intersections made it very hard for blind and low vision residents of the city to just about do everything in their daily life. Stepping out of their house um, is a hazard in itself because necessarily streets have to be crossed to accomplish just about any daily errand, to commute to work, commute from work, get to doctor, uh, do just about anything that a person may need to do in their everyday life. We all have to cross at least some streets usually to right. accomplish daily tasks. And for them, it's all a hazard because every time they approach a street intersection, they have to figure out on their own when it's time to cross. And the strategies they rely on are haphazard and cannot replace actually receiving the information from pedestrian signals, especially mm -hmm. in a city like Chicago that um, has no lack of traffic, yeah. to say the least. So for well, them, let, it's debilitating on every possible level. Right? And let's talk about what you mean by receiving the information from these signals, right? Just so we're clear, Yelena, what kind of signals do low vision people need? So just like everyone else, uh, they need to be uh, able to know when it's time to cross or not cross. For all of us, pedestrian signals convey information such as walk or don't walk, and mm -hmm. they can do that in a variety of ways, but it's a visual sign, and we see it, and then we know, oh, we're supposed to be crossing, or no, we're right. supposed to be saying put until the light changes. But for blind folks, unless that pedestrian signal also has something known as an accessible pedestrian signaling unit, they cannot benefit from the pedestrian signal. The reason being, they're blind. This unit essentially says it's time to cross or it's not time to cross mm -hmm. in conjunction with the pedestrian signal. So there is this audio reinforcement of the visual sign on the pedestrian signal, which, if it were there, would permit blind folks to know when it's time to cross just as well as everyone else. Yeah. And when that's not there, they cannot see. So other people can see walk or don't walk information, right. but they cannot. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard in, in other cities, I've heard audio cues like walk. Yes. And it will repeat. Yes. 
don't walk. Exactly. Right? Um, which is exactly. critical in, in this case. And, and as we talk about the visual cues, I, I think of the fact that, you know, my, my daughters are teens now, but just in teaching them, you know, a couple of years yes. ago, crossing the street, and they still now at 15 and 16, they say, oh, well, the, the man is there or the hand is there. Because yeah. Yeah, that's no, what absolutely. they're used to. That's the language they're used to using. But it, it comes so second nature for us that you don't. You don't think about it. I, I will say this. Uh, I and and I always, you know, make it a point to bring this up when asked about the case. Having these APS units across uh, across the board would benefit us all because. We all get distracted at intersections. My father-in-law lives in Sydney. He's, he's in Australia. He's very used to having these APS units around. Mm-hmm. So when he comes to Chicago and he doesn't have that audio in- reinforcement of the visual sign, it's actually strange for him because he has gotten so used to being able to look on his phone while standing at the intersection, check email, talk to someone. Oftentimes it has happened that, wow. you know, we're standing next to each other at the street intersection, we're talking, and I'm glancing at the pedestrian signal the whole time time and he's not because he is used to the idea that there's going to be a message and then he's going to know he's and then i'm asking at the crosswalk exactly and i'm like nudging him it's time to go and he always says oh i always <laughs> forget you don't have oh my you know goodness. the the audio and i say no we gotta look here <laughs> and so in all seriousness when accessibility signals when they're not present yelena how do blind and, and low vision people get by like what is happening at crosswalks so basically, uh, our clients uh, have, have talked to us about the mobility trainings they have had. Uh, they, uh, some of them, not everyone, but certainly some of them try and learn mobility skills from a certified instructor who can teach them coping strategies that they can kind of fall back on because they don't have the ability to see a pedestrian signal. And so, you know, they try to listen for traffic usually. Mm -hmm. And um, the most common technique is listening for the traffic that is moving in the same direction that they're going. Mm -hmm. And then when that traffic starts to go, then they go because they figure it's moving in the same direction that I'm going in. And if they're going, then I can go too. But you can imagine that is not the safest. I know. I'm terrified listening to you break that down. I know. It is It is so unsafe. And, and I will tell you, it, it is only becoming less and less safe because the city, as, as other cities are doing, is, you know, has installed a fair amount of um, uh, changes to the pedestrian signals to indicate when it's time to turn left, turn right. Uh, some of these signals are known as leading pedestrian intervals. Yeah. And they basically are meant to, you know, manage the conflict that can arise when a vehicle is turning into an intersection right as the pedestrian is crossing, etc. And they make all of us generally safer, but for blind people, they make it nearly impossible to at all rely on the sound of parallel traffic because here you have vehicles turning in on the signal, you are supposed to walk before they turn, but if you're blind, you don't know that you're supposed to do that because you don't see the signal. All you're doing is listening for vehicles. Therefore, for all you know, you may start to start walk just as the vehicle is about to turn because you missed that phase of the pedestrian signal because you had no way of knowing. So it's super unsafe and only getting less and less safe. (laughs) So let's let's dig into this class action lawsuit, right? Tell us about your case and what the judge ruled. Sure. So we argued that the lack of accessible pedestrian units 
at otherwise signalized street intersections is a violation of federal disability rights laws because it doesn't allow blind pedestrians to access a critical public safety service, which pedestrian signal installation really is. Mm -hmm. And so the judge agreed with us that the city, in fact, had such an obligation under the law that they were obligated to include blind folks when signalizing intersections by adding the APS unit, and they have failed to do so, which is abundantly clear from the fact that less than 1%, as we talked about earlier, uh, less than 1% of uh, signalized intersections have APS units. Mm -hmm. Uh, The city had said that they believed it wasn't their duty under the law to install APS units when signalizing intersections. Mayor Lightfoot had promised to install up to 100. Yeah, they had been promising, but they had made that that was a show of good faith and not really a legal obligation. So the court in its decision held, no, this is in fact a legal obligation, um, and you have failed to comply with that legal obligation. And so, you know, to perhaps to to preempt what I think perhaps may have been the next question, the next the the next step here will be to decide what the city has to do to come into compliance with mm-hmm. the law. Because what the judge just said is, you are no, you are not compliant. This duty existed, and you failed to comply with that duty. Let's talk again about other cities because I, I, it feels a little bit to me as someone who's lived in many cities. Chicago is a bit of an outlier here in, in this. Um, so talk about how you helped argue a similar case in, in New York where, you know, they found the same thing. They were breaking yep. civil rights laws at their crosswalks. Yeah. So so our our first suit regarding APS units as an organization and as an organization, I mean, by that, I mean, disability rights advocates. The first suit we filed was on behalf of an organization um, that also represents blind and low vision uh, folks in the New York City area, and the lawsuit was against the city uh, of New York for failure to install APS. And we we did this because New York City had or and has over thirteen thousand intersections with pedestrian signals. And over 95% of those intersections did not have APS units. So Mm. that was a whole wealth of thousands upon thousands of intersections with zero APS units. And if you just looked at the raw number of intersections lacking APS units, New York City was faring even worse than Chicago. Right. Since in Chicago, you have a little under 3,000. And over there, you had over 13,000. And the absolute vast majority. I mean, so we're not an outlier, it sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) In that sense, I think that that the thing that does make Chicago bit of an outlier um, in comparison to other cities. Setting New York aside for a second is that there are cities that did start considering this issue some years back and did start installing APS units once putting in new pedestrian signals some years back. And I will say Seattle was like that, Portland, uh, San Francisco. So there were cities that were kind of considering this issue and saying to themselves, you know, wherever the legal obligation shakes out, I'm just going to go ahead and install APS units going forward. Mm. Whenever I add a pedestrian signal, that is what we will do. And so these cities got a head start on it and today are in better shape relative 
to Chicago. What I found remarkable in Chicago was that there was this, you know, general promise that 100 intersections will get APS units at some point in, you know, 2018 or so. That didn't happen. But also, you know, there was no concerted efforts to change what the policy had been and to simply say, I'm just going to do this going forward. And also the city did not, you know, consider this issue for a very long time because had they they would be in better shape today. They what could are have the roadblocks? The what, what are the roadblocks to making crosswalks accessible? So, you know, I I would say this is a great question for the city. It would be great to ask them what, what was the problem here and why wasn't this done in the first place? Um, I will say that as we sit here today, one, you know, one thing that's going to be a challenge is the simple fact that we are now up to over 2,800 intersections that don't have APS units, and those units have to be added. And that is from what we know, more complicated than had they been added in the first place. So the lift is much lesser if you are adding the APS unit at the get-go, as soon as you install the pedestrian signal. It's a lot easier engineering-wise, cost-wise. Mm-hmm. But here we have pedestrian signals that have been around, so to speak, for right. a very long time. And now we have to add unit to them, and that will be harder and, you know, probably more expensive retrofitting them mm-hmm. in retrospect than adding them would have been. So yeah. I would certainly say that is going to be a roadblock, just figuring out the retrofitting of all of do you these know locations. If, as you talk about cost there, do you know if federal funds from that uh, American Rescue Plan could could that be used? You know, that's a great question. And I think uh, I think quite possibly so. Uh, as someone who isn't an expert in federal grants, you know, rules and regulations, and there is plenty of those, I won't say definitively yes or no, but I think it's a strong possibility, absolutely. And there is certainly a vast array of federal funding sources that can be used for this purpose. Uh, this was also a subject of some, you know, interest from the judge in New York City because that judge said, isn't there federal funding available to you to make this right? Yeah. And he, in fact, that judge requested from the Department of Justice a submission detailing, you know, possible federal, you know, monetary sources and received a lengthy submission in response. So all those sources are available mm-hmm. to this city, but I think you are absolutely spot on that the American Rescue Plan could also be I mean, a source of money. Yeah. Well, you, you've already sort of given us the, the lay of the land there and, and what's next. When will this ruling, when will it go into effect? So, you know, the ruling as to the city being liable is, you know, is in effect right now. Okay. The, the next question really is, what must the city do to yeah, become like, Do they compliant? need to come up with a remedial plan? Yeah, so that's, that's the next big one. They do. And I think the judge is hoping that the city can figure this out in, you know, negotiations with, with the plaintiffs, with the members of the community, the blind community, and with the, you know, Department of Justice, since the Department of Justice is also a party to the suit. Yeah. I think the judge is hoping we'll all sit down, come up with a remedial plan, and then present it to the court for the court to consider and approve, hopefully, if the court feels it is good enough and strong enough uh, and adequate enough to bring the city into compliance. Yelena Kolich is a senior staff attorney with the group Disability Rights Advocates. Thank you so much for stopping by and, and talking with us. Thank you for, uh, thank you for covering the case. Uh, it was a pleasure to be here.